Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's Books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes 8. Children's Books. Why, what, and how? Hughes 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Vegas, baby. Vegas! Dun, 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 dun. All those beautiful babies! Yeah! <laughs> how was your how was your time in Vegas? It was wonderful. Good. We, we saw shows, we ate delicious food, we saw good people. It was lovely. You're you're like the only person I know who's so pro Vegas. Uh, I am nobody ve- I know goes there at all, at all, at all. Well, it helps that I live there for a bit. Yes, um, it does help. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you would know the lay of the land, and, and I and I know areas other than the Strip. Right, that does help. Um, but it's mainly the people. They're just there's just so many good people out there. Aw, the yeah. good people of Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I saw one of your videos. You were in a harness and attempting to escape it. And failing multiple times. You are getting ahead of me. That is going to be part of my grown-up Oh, well, then thing. I'm not going to say any more and just <laughs> leave it with that. And they, people can make their own assumptions. But it, I, I will say this. It happened in Vegas, everybody. Yes. And so my grown-up thing will be about that. Excellent. Well, then I won't I won't say another word. Um, well, that's not true. This is an entire podcast. I'm going to say many other words. I including, hope so. Yes, including the words, uh, yes, what, what is this podcast that we are on right now? This is Fuse 8 and Kate. That's right. And who are you? Me, Kate. Me, Betsy. Um, me, not Fuse. It is a confusing title in that way. <laughs> but uh, yes, and what do we do on said podcast? We talk about children's picture books. And... Uh, uh. I don't know. We make little, <laughs> make little chipmunk <laughs> voices. And, and what was that? I don't even know what that was. You know what, though? I'm going to say this. For today's book, those little noises are very appropriate. Oh. You see, we were talking about the fact that we've done two books in a row about... Sick. Sick or medically curious uh, main characters. Uh-huh. And it got me to thinking that there's a long and storied history of, you know, Imogene's antlers, where she wakes up with antlers on her head and then the doctor is called, you know, where a kid has is not adhering to the norm in some way. And this is seen as bad because children obviously have to obey at all times. And that includes anything strange um, that adults are just going to chalk up to illness in some way. And I thought, well... In our search for a third, uh, what are they called? The cuffs for taking the your blood pressure cuff. Blood pressure cuff. I thought, yeah. well, I should do a third one of those. Okay, so I mean, Curious George wasn't really the same thing because he went to the hospital because he actually was ill. Well, and that um, blood pressure cuff was like a thermometer, right? Uh, which I mean, made no sense. Know what was going on there? <laughs> uh, bad case of stripes. She she actually did have a medical emergency of some sort, but sure. It was treated entirely at home. She was not taken to a hospital at any point. No, she was. In retrospect, she was given an ointment and then pills. And pills, because that's how we cure things in America. We give our children lots and lots of medication. Yeah, and pills, yes. For today's, um, we will be more in the vein, I'd say, of stripes than of Curious George. Um, Though, in the same vein as Curious George, I would say that its creator is somewhat problematic. And on that note, 
Look like an E, but it's a Mick. I, I, I swear to you. Uh, by Dr. Seuss. By Dr. Seuss. A very strange, very influential Seuss title, but not necessarily because of the book, but uh, because the book is a thing that exists and is referenced quite frequently. I thought it would be appropriate for us to do it. It's based on the Academy Award-winning motion picture. It, it is, and it was released in 1952. And I cannot think of many other picture books based on cartoons from that far back. So in a way, this was kind of a predecessor to many things that would come. Um, but it is indeed by Dr. Seuss, though you could read this whole thing. I would, I would warrant and not know that Seuss was in, if you just took his name off of it I doubt anyone it doesn't look coming like into his it blind it doesn't look like his style it doesn't look like his art it doesn't look like his style it looks like the style of the cartoon uh anyway go read that thing okay okay while Kate does her read I'm gonna give you a little background information on Gerald McBoingboing this is considered one of the most influential animated short films of all time I think the Library of Congress has called it culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Uh, it's referenced constantly by contemporary animators, by children's book illustrators that have some kind of an animation or design background. Initially, it was indeed an animated short film, and it came out in 1950. Uh, it was actually adapted from a story that Dr. Seuss had written for a children's record uh, that was then adapted by none other than a fellow by the name of Phil Eastman, who you might know better as P.D. Eastman, the guy who did Are You My Mother, um, Robert the Rose Horse, uh, many, many other rather famous uh, books in his own right, and a favorite of this podcast, if I might go so far as to say myself. Anyway, it was released. It was a huge... Uh, I can't even tell you. This thing had four shorts all together. So there was the first one and there were three subsequent ones. I've been trying to figure out why it was such a big deal. And the best explanation I could have was that this was sort of an experiment. It was kind of an artistic attempt to break away from the realism that had been sort of developed by Walt Disney. And so this was more in the vein of Tex Avery and, and more of those, you know, stylistically different things. Um, so it was more of a caricature than lifelike representations. Uh, more importantly, uh, it was mar much, much less uh, expensive to create. I really like the fact that the first Gerald McBoing Boing was included as a special feature on the 2001 DVD release of The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. If you've not seen it, I highly recommend it. It's one of Dr. Seuss's rare live-action forays into full-length feature films. Uh, it is downright bizarre. I own it. It's very strange. But here's the best part. The second, all but the second, uh, Gerald McBoing Boing were included actually on another two-disc special edition of a DVD. Hellboy! The 2004 Hellboy, to be specific, because the cartoon is seen playing on TV monitors in the background of several scenes. Sure. Hey, Betsy. Hey, what? I'm Gary Coleman from DVD <laughs> Zipper Strokes. 
I made a lot of money that got stolen by my folks. I feel like that's this kid. Oh, yeah. That's... Very much so. He's the Gary Coleman of 1952. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, now you have that, that song caught in my head for the rest You're of the night. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah thanks. But thanks for that. Yeah. I'll get into more why, but it is very clear that this is a horrible book. Okay, we're just going to do the last part first? Oh, is yeah. That what's going on? Yeah, sure. All right. It's all ratings right. time. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Have you noticed that on the cover, or not on the cover, the title page yeah. spread, mm-hmm. all the kids in his class, they're all white. Oh, and ha- not just white. They are like almost identical. I think maybe you might have a blonde child, but that is like the height of uh, difference between these children. They are all pretty much brown haired white kids yeah this is a very cookie cutter 1950s book oh it is almost like i'm gonna say stereotypically because clearly it's stereotypical but it is almost yeah the the what's the word i'm gonna use like the thing you would use just as a example of the times more than any other book that i think i've ever seen yeah you've got the father reading a newspaper which i'm pretty sure there's a uh oh you know who's gonna love that an instagram handle for News, yeah newspaper and kid, kid kidlet. Kidlet, in kidlet. Yeah. yeah they're gonna love that okay. so you got the father reading from a newspaper you got the mother doing embroidery and making dinner and uh and then you they have this two-year-old named gerald mccloy he's two yes Two is very young. Okay. They say it all started when Gerald was two. That's the age kids start talking. Least most of them do. Except for the stupid ones. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Don't be judgy at all, Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Wow. She is so stereotypically mom. Oh, yeah. She's got the apron. The apron. The high heels with the apron. Because it's not enough to be wearing... An apron and doing all the houses world chores. You have to be doing it in high heels. Exactly. Else, what's the point? Yeah. So the kid turns two, and his first words are boing, boing. And his father, his face turns gray, and he <laughs> full on freaks out, thinking that, I don't know, boing, boing isn't. I mean, it's. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's living this, like, you know, nuclear family. 2.5 children, you know, the dog, the cat, whatever. And there, it, this is basically, uh, what's the name of that planet and wrinkle in time? You know, Kazmatots. This is the place where, like, everything has to be exactly the same. And now he's suddenly encountered the first difference ever in his son. Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, Pleasantville. It's th- very Pleasantville. When things are oh, yeah. coming into color. Well, yes. the father, uh, with his really bad dandruff, runs over <laughs> to, the, to the phone oh, dear. and calls the doctor and says... Our boy can't speak words. And I'm like, boing is a word. Boing is definitely a word. And that's a difficult word for a child to say, I might say. I mean, they can do ba, 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 but to do the oing, yeah. that is hard. That's quite sophisticated, quite frankly. Well, then the doctor comes over and he says, oh, I see. It's, it's just as you said. He doesn't speak words. He goes boing, boing instead. I'm like, again... Boing is a word. It is. You know what? I think this may be a difference between the animated short. Well, okay. So this first started out as a record that Dr. Seuss wrote it for. So in that, they would have done it as a sound rather than a written out boing, boing. So it would have been just like the boing, like that kind of sound hmm. would have been the sound. I, that's what I'm going to assume because the, but this is a problem with translating it to a book. Because when you translate it to a book, it turns into a word. The word being boing. By the way, that was a very um, Bark George moment where I was half expecting 
the doctor to put on a long latex glove and reach into Gerald's down his throat <laughs> and pull out like a bouncy ball or something. No, no, his uh, his solution is to come over with uh, you know one of those bags with the stethoscope and yeah, he says bag. he says I've got no cure for this, so he packs up his pills. Oh, he's gonna medicate him. Yeah. So apparently, the solution in the fifties and the nineties yeah. is to stuff your child with medicine full of pills. Yes. We wondered why the kids didn't turn out all right. I don't. <laughs> I mean, know. it says he packed up his pills. Well, he doesn't give them. To his credit, he's not like the. He doctors. thought about it though. He did. He thought, but he, he had taken know, them out in the in the bad case of stripes. They were like, well, we don't know what this is, so we're just going to pack you with enough pills until you get cured. And in this case, at least he had the pills, but he was smart enough to realize, if I don't know what this is, maybe I shouldn't just be throwing random pills at a small two-year-old child. Yes, well, it does say then months passed, so we're going to say this kid's now two and a half. All right, yeah. And now he says, boom. Boom, awesome. Like a big keg of powder. At which point... His parents, well, specifically, well, just his dad, specifically really. his father, yeah. says that's enough. Um, apparently, he's just done with this two and a half year old and makes the kid go to school by himself, walking at two and a half years old. At two, two he's and a half. His two, two and, he's making his two and a half year old uh-huh. go to school. Okay, Alone. so we're just yes, gonna skip the whole years go by thing here. Yep. The mom, by the way. No help at all. And the boy has just wandered out the front door with, well, oh my gosh, you got that little belt around his books and stuff. Yep, and you can see out the window, you're assuming that the church is the school in this case. So he's essentially yeah. just walking down the sidewalk and then... I mean, to be fair, yeah, they could keep an eye on him there. And apparently they trust him enough to go to school. So. Well, at two and a half, uh, he's in the first grade. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dr. Seuss did not have any children, clearly. So this kid walks home with a note from his teacher that says, Your son's hopeless. Wow! <laughs> Great school. Uh, the pupils must not go cuckoo in our school. Your boy will go honk all of his life. And I'm like, wait a minute. He learned two new words at school. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that is really good. And... Wow. But, uh, so judgy. Sincerely yours, Fanny Schultz, teacher, first grade. Wow. Also, mom's literally not doing anything here. She could homeschool if she wanted to, but she's just decided to flop in a chair and feel sorry for herself. I'm not sure she can read because she's looking at this note <laughs> with these wide eyes just thinking, there's things on this paper. What she- does it mean? <laughs> I'm going to sit here and drink a little mother's little help. <laughs> well, the, the kids at school all hate this poor Gerald because he just keeps making noises like bam and scree and he learns that if he makes these noises he won't have any friends like if he says clang 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 all the fun ends and you have a illustration of three boys playing marbles if that's not dating this book I don't uh, know yeah. what is it's it's kind of adorable though and then you have uh you know the the little girls jumping, jumping rope, rope I guess yeah. um yeah so the boys bully him. Well, they, he's freaking two years old. He's in the first grade. Of course they're going to bully him, yeah. They call him Gerald McBoing Boing, the noise-making boy. I mean, there's I've heard worse insults, but okay. And But then he comes, and then his father is furious. His father is trying to shave with one of those, like, straight razors. Oh, yeah. But it, you can tell his face is bright red, and then he's, like, you know, lecturing his kid, and it says Gerald had no place 
to go at home mm-hmm. and the school. He felt like he had no place in the whole human race. Oh, I'm like, That's, poor little this kid. Is heartbreaking. Has anyone considered? I don't know. Maybe he's on the spectrum. Oh, Did no, any- definitely not. Yeah. That's something people should consider. Yes. But instead, this poor kid uh, runs away from home. Oh, he's got a bindle. Yeah. I love bindles. He runs away. There's a bindles in Kidlit Instagram account. He runs away from home because he's not accepted at school. He's mm-hmm. not accepted at home. But just as he's, he's going to ride the rails. Yeah. He's <laughs> as, just as he's getting ready to jump onto a slow moving freight. It's very slow moving for a two year old to get on. There's, but all right. There is a very cool illustration. Mm-hmm. It's the silhouette of a man holding up his hand and it's. I like that you can see it both on the ground and also on the side of the train. Mm-hmm. And this is like the one illustration that I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a very cool shot. But this grown man is yelling at a two and a half year old boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe the kid's three at this point. We it don't, might be. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. We don't know three. how long he's yeah. been bullied. So, uh, so this old man, you can tell he's old because he has white hair and a it white looks like mustache. Colonel Sanders, yeah. On the face, anyway. And he says, yeah, I've been looking for you for many long weeks. Well, just go to his house, man. Um, he had one. Well, he, he finds the kid at, uh, almost getting ready to jump on a train. Yeah. And says, I have a radio station. It's called Bong Bong Bong. I'm wondering if it's supposed to be like bong bong bong. Oh, I love that. Because I'm going to assume because he's got a xylophone. Exactly. See, this is the problem. This book seems to require you to have watched the animated short. Mm. That I'm getting this distinct feeling from that just because it's really hard to figure out why is this man suddenly holding a three note xylophone <laughs> for. Because he can't because say he can't say NBC. Bong, yeah, bong. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he says, "I need a smart fella to make all the sounds who can bark like a dog and bay like the hounds." I don't know what that means, but okay. So he then he's he, you know, he says, "Your gong's terrific and your toot is inspired." No one has ever called my toot inspired. I've but quick was. to come come to bong bong bong. McBoing boing, you're hired. And I'm like, wait a wait, minute. That's his insult name. You're telling me this three-year-old kid already has a job? Aren't there child labor laws? There are definitely child labor laws in the 50s. Yes, there well, are. Well, they, but uh, They you don't know, apply. You know what they would do with child stars to keep them going for so long was they'd pack them full of pills. So there you go. Yeah, I think well. he's made one way or another. <laughs> the kid's going to get some pills back into him. <laughs> well, the kid now uh, has... Finally made his parents proud because he Thanks has to radio. Yeah, because now he has this job and he's making like clip clop. <laughs> because that's the whole and... point of ch- of schooling was just so he could get a job anyway. It's just to get him ready for the job market. So he's just skipped all that and gone straight to the job market. So of course they're happy. But this is where I'm like, oh, now his parents, proud parents, uh-huh. are able to boast, and I'm like, kid. Keep an eye on your paychecks and yeah. don't become like Gary Coleman because yep. this is where it's oh, all. Oh yeah, mom's gonna be... suddenly gonna be drinking high-end martinis and having mink stoles, and dad's gonna be buying huge cars. Oh, what's that there? Is that a huge car? It's a huge car That's because a huge car. it mm-hmm. says now Gerald is rich. He has friends, and I'm like, oh, this is like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where that, like he's teased friends. the whole time, and then suddenly he's successful, and he suddenly has quote unquote friends. Yeah, friends needs to be in quotation marks. Hangers there. on, I think is what he means to say. Yes, yeah, uh, and 
He doesn't speak words. He goes boing boing instead and everyone loves him. And there's crowds waiting for him at the airport with a giant car waiting for him. And that's the end of the story. This is story. a weirdly depressing ending, actually. His success <sighs> is so fleeting because we know radio is not going to last that much longer. Well, especially since it shows the illustration shows him doing the sound effects to a Western yeah, well, right there. <laughs> yep. But you know, if he switches his talents to doing the sound effects for animation, he could have a much longer career. So that would be how I, as the job counselor, would counsel a three-year-old. Whereas you would counsel him on being monetarily self-sufficient, uh, divorce your parents, and so that he could divorce his parents exactly yes. <laughs> later in life. Yes, I think you're on and the find right real friends. Yeah. Uh, ratings time. What a sad story. It's super sad. It is so sad. What makes you unique is either going to be exploited by those closest to you or will be mocked and folks will want to change you. Mm -hmm. It's it's so dated also. This is not a book I would ever want to read again. Right. So ever. This is this is ever. like it's supposed to be an empowering narrative. It's not. But it does the exact opposite. Yeah, I yeah. this is a 2.5 for me. I like the illustration with the shadow and that's about it. Yeah, I think, you know, this book has been so widely praised but mostly just because of the animated short. Because it was such a different style from what had been seen before, it was seen as a departure from Disney and the Disney style of those early Disney films. Um, sort of like a callback to like early animation in some ways. I think it's fine. Um, I, I, I am not a student of animation, therefore I cannot speak to its brilliance or lack thereof when it comes to the look. It's certainly very different for Seuss. It does not look Seussian, kind of reads Seussian. But what I keep thinking about is good old Imogene's Antlers by David Small, which is, again, a story about a, a kid who is very different and whose parents are, uh, you know, appalled by the change that they have that makes them so different. But Imogene doesn't, like, cash in on her antlers at any point. She goes about her day um, goes and is perfectly happy with who she is and doesn't really seem to care what anyone else thinks. And then she goes to bed and then... Seems to be back to normal, and then there's something else weird going on with her. But yeah, Gerald McBoing Boing is very much a, a product of its time, would probably be the kindest way to to explain this book. Uh, yes, so uh, I, you didn't give your number. I did, I did. I said 2.5. Oh, 2.5? Yeah, I'm right with you. I'll give it a little higher just because I like the art slightly more, so I'll do a 3. With our scores combined, it is definitely not, not a classic. Not a classic. I'm so sorry, I'm animation not. fans. <laughs> All right, letters time. Ooh. Okay, we got a bunch of uh, comments on good old uh, "Bad Case of Stripes" by David Shannon, including from David Shannon himself, because I linked to him with our question about the creepy guy. Yeah, just to remind those of you who. Might not have heard the episode. There is a scene of a sort of a press media frenzy happening outside this girl's house while she's, you know, changing colors and stuff inside. And in the crowd is this creepy, creepy leisure suit Larry dead-eyed man. And we asked David Shannon about him. Well, he also asked him about this guy in a trench coat who's closer to the house. And he says, LOL, the guy in the trench coat is just a hard-nosed reporter. The other guy is trouble with a capital T. The kind of opportunistic con man that's drawn to a crowd at a media frenzy. 
maybe a pickpocket too. Luckily, the cop is keeping an eye on him. You're the first person to ask about him. So well done, Kate. Thank you. You're the first person in a very long time that this book has been out to ask him about that character. That's why I'm here, folks. That's why you're here. (laughs) Now, we had two very similar comments, but they, and at first I thought they came from the same person, but no. So apparently this happened more than once. Rachel A. wrote and said, I had a student so terrified by this book that she wouldn't take any books off the library shelves lest she accidentally come across it. Aww. But she's not alone because Jean K. wrote in and said, we once had a kid in the school library who was terrified of that book. We had to take it off the shelf for a few years. Wow. Whoa. So, it could be some, uh, these, I would love to talk to these kids today and be like, do you remember this book? And see what their reactions would be. Because Aww. when you have a adverse reaction to a picture book, uh, that sticks with you for life, Aww. one way or another. So uh, I was kind of amused by that. Grown up things we like. Okay, well, you kind of mentioned it earlier. I did, I did allude to it. So yes. la- this past weekend, we were in Vegas for the Penguinologist's birthday, and we did a lot of fun things. We saw shows. We ate good food. But my grown-up thing is a business about 10 minutes away from downtown Vegas, and it's called Pole Kisses. They offer different sorts of classes like pole dancing and silks and lira which is like that giant hula hoop up in the air that you can do tricks Mm -hmm. on Um, but what i tried for the first time was bungee fitness it was um, a class with about seven other women and we were all different sizes different ages different ethnicities and it was so much fun you're hooked to the ceiling in a harness by a bungee cord and I got more of a workout jumping up and down and flying around and doing burpees with this bungee cord attached to me than I do running a 5K. And it is a heck of a lot more fun, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The instructors are super friendly. It's a wo- women-owned business. It's great for big groups. Like, we had a bachelorette party coming in after us. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you want to go by yourself, like I did, it's also perfectly fine, too. So if you want to check out something fun off the strip... Um, that you're still going to get a workout and feel empowered and have a heck of a lot of fun. There is a video of me going, wee! <laughs> um, go check out polekissesaerialfitness.com. That's cool. How'd you hear about it in the first place? My sorority sister owns the business. Oh, well, that helps. Yes. So there you go. I see how this is. A little helping her along, eh? I but mean, it does I, look fun. I barely was able to get into the class because there were so many people who paid for it and I right. I was like, "Can I can I get it?" Just to hang around. Can I get in? But an extra bungee. Yeah, it was super fun. And the reason it's called pole kisses is because when you try learning pole dancing for the first time, mm-hmm. you get bruises all over you on your legs. Oh, ow, ow, and ow, and ow, they're ow. and they call them pole kisses. Ow. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, that's better than what I thought I meant. So, okay, great. I, I tried pole dancing. I'm not very good at it. But bungee, I can do that. Great. That is fun. So if I need someone to do some bungee dancing, yeah. I know who to call. <laughs> Don't see it coming up, but you never know. Uh, mine is a new book award. It's not really, I say new, but it's been around for more than a year about. This is like the second year that it's going on. This was a book award started by my library, um, but not by me, uh, though it is for children's books. It was started by the librarian Martha Meyer. And it's the Blueberry Book Award. So this is a book award for children's books with a specific focus on science, nature, and the environment. Um, so really like a focus on the natural world, but also how things are changing. Um, they need to have hope. 
They have, a, there's a separate section for change makers, kids and what they can do. Um, looking forward to the future. It is, you know, the timing of this is great. It's weird that we don't, there's really not an equivalent to this award anywhere. And so Martha this year just went above and beyond. She not only, after we decided the winners, contacted all the winners, she got video acceptance speeches from them and then had this huge like party where she invited all these people and you know she for this committee has gotten the sustainability manager of the city of Evanston she's gotten someone from the Morton Arboretum someone from the uh, Evanston Arboretum uh, from the Chicago uh, Botanical Garden Uh, she has all these different people who have like a real local environmental connection in some way and then had a huge party for this thing and it, it, it was just fantastic so i'll have the list on my blog and uh also maybe some of the videos so if anyone wants to check it out that i will have that in the show notes okay yay book awards <laughs> it's very different than bungee is it though in, in vegas were you a sustainable <laughs> bungee job I, there's no I, I, don't, I don't i don't know how one would do that i don't know entirely by recycled rubber from old tires <laughs> sure sure i don't know Keep going, but this I, is fun. I thought that was pretty good off the top of my head i'm giving myself a little pat on the back for that one yeah I'll um, give you pills. That's your reward. Yay, pills. Oh, pills for me. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm not a child. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's, that's sounds, right. not going to work. Okay. We're going to get away from the whole um, popping pills in children's mouths in children's literature for the next book. Uh, we might go in a completely different direction. I haven't done a cult classic, and we have been getting a real increase in recommendations from people. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. I've really I've, I've noticed an uptick. Uh, so we'll, we might be doing one of those next week. Excellent. Um, maybe one of those those cult classic slash fan recommended books. So recommended books. Yes. Sorry, that was my Max Headroom imitation. But until we actually do that book, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse Eight and Kate is a Fuse Number Eight production. You can reach us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our cruise ship Lombardo is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.